You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and the interview subject I have coming up for you is Jesse Curnow of the Sydney outfit, The Phases. The reason for the conversation is to promote the brand new EP from the outfit. It is called Manners. I'm really enjoying this one. This is a good chat too. So let's have a listen to what Jesse had to say. Here we go. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm not sure. How are you going? Good, mate. Good, mate. What's What's been happening apart from the release of this excellent new EP, Manners? Um, oh, not much at the moment, actually. We're just sort of trying to put together some more songs and um, and, and get back into the studio and try and um, put together another EP, I think, and keep pushing forward. Smart move. Yeah, smart move. This is a strong EP, by the way, and it's always good to have something up your sleeve to release fairly soon after, particularly when it comes to EPs which I think Definitely. these days made are actually the most consumable form of long form, if you know what I'm saying. Because a lot yeah, of absolutely. Yeah, kids just aren't sitting through albums anymore. Yeah, it's, it's a bit disappointing, really. I mean, I, I still listen to albums all the time. Like, a new album comes out, I'll listen to it properly, like, start to finish. I, I really do think it's getting lost. Um, you know, people just get a new album on Spotify and they just press shuffle or, you know, whatever. And mm. it's, not, it's, supposed, it's not really supposed to be digested that way, is it? No, no, particularly, I'm in my 40s, so I've grown up listening to albums, and I think up until the year, God, I don't know, take your pick, 1998, 1999, I think I owned only about 40 or 50 CDs. You know, good yeah. good combination oh, of, you know, Megadeth, Primus, Faith No More, Weezer, some of the big bands from that era. And um, I got to know that material back to front, and it's become a part of my musical DNA as a consequence. You know, but I, I think especially when people are listening and they're listening for the purposes of maybe even becoming a musician, you know, Mm. it doesn't give you the opportunity to focus. It's like your attention spans being pulled in all these bloody different directions all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. You know, I mean, I, yeah, as as I said, I still, that's, it's just the way, way you're supposed to do it. Like that's some of my favorite pieces of music, you know, they're linked together and that's, that's what, how they were intended to be um, listened to. So, Indeed, mate, indeed. Mate, so this album, this EP here, okay, uh, you've probably got this one before, but I think it's a, it's a worthy comparison, your sound on the EP here. Now, I heard a bit of uh, Julia Casablancas and The Strokes and, of course, Luke, Luke Steele and some Sleepy, Sleepy Jackson in there as well. But, mate, in, in your own words, do you think that's, a, that's an appropriate comparison or if you've got another way of describing the EP to people who haven't heard you guys yet? Um, I guess. Yeah, like definitely the Strokes. I mean, we all love the Strokes, and especially Hayden, our singer. I, I don't know. I think we we all really like the Vines as well. Like, there's there's bits and um, wow, the where, Vines. You know, it's yeah, bit, yeah. It's, it's like a little bit um, more like grittier, and I not I, w- I won't say dark because it's not really very dark. But I think there's you know sort of um, you know the the faster ones like Manners or Control My Radar, where it's a little bit the the mood is a little bit. Yeah, I guess just darker, like sort of like the Vines. We all really like them, and mm-hmm. I mean, me and Liam, the guitarist, are, like we really love Nirvana and you know, like bands like that. So, and gotcha. Liam's, is, yeah, our guitarist, he's a really big fan of like Waves and Fiddler, and, you know, sort of Californian bands like that. Um, there's a band that we all really love, a current one at the moment called the Growlers as well. That um, we were really heavily influenced on, definitely on um, Defective, the song on, on the EP. Um, I don't know if you've listened or heard of them, but you definitely should check them okay, out. Got to check them out. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it's there's. You know, I mentioned those two artists, but of course, you know, your 
your take on it with Nirvana can definitely hear that. Um, mm. You're talking about some of those British indie influences, I suppose. You know, I can hear some British influence, British indie influence there as well. But, uh, mate, it's just a very well-rounded collection of what I'm going to broadly call rock and roll cuts. You know, yeah, um, I appreciate that. I you really know. appreciate that. Yeah, we can. I mean, you know, it is the nature of these things, particularly in journalism, we're supposed to reach for labels, okay? But at the end of the yeah. day, man, I can't give anything a higher compliment. They're just calling it good old-fashioned rock and roll, man. And when it comes to the phases, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I really appreciate that. I think, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we most definitely consider ourselves. We're just a, we're just a rock and roll band, you know. We like, we like having fun and... You know, just getting up to no good, and I guess you know that's <laughs> music is just sort of um, it's just a you know something that we all really enjoy doing, and um, you know it's sort of like a bonus. We're just like hanging out with each other, and you know, as I said, just sort of getting up to mischief and all sorts of stuff. And I, I think that's what rock and roll should be and should always be. You know, it's, it's it is like a way of life. So you know, yeah, um, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and, and look, many, many years ago, God, um, God, how long ago was it now? 23 or 24 years ago, I used to go to uni at UTS in St. Leonard's, and yeah, uh, I used, used okay. to live in Sydney, and um, I know that scene, of that graveyard is in St. Leonard's on your album cover, am I mistaken there? Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's it, yeah. That's I knew it. I've, I've walked past it <laughs> through it so many times. You know, yeah, from one lecture theatre to another one. Yeah, man, that's a great photo, by the way. I love the juxtaposition yeah. of the, you know, the building and the palm trees and the graves. Yeah, I, I, I actually don't know. Hayden took that photo like so long ago, and he, um, I don't know what he sort of. I, I remember he just sent it to us, and we all just like really liked it. And um, yeah, I think I think it somehow without really intending to really does. Obviously, we intended to, for it to capture the sound of the EP, but. I think it really somehow, I, I can't really put into words, but it does sort of capture the sound and the imagery, I guess, of the music. Like, you know, there's <laughs> obviously the very, there's very, there's the bright sort of, you know, palm tree and really nice, beautiful day, the blue sky. But then there's obviously, you know, there's just, there is just a bit of that gritty sort of, um, you know, fuzz and, you know, dark, just the darker sort of mood to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's kind of very California, isn't it, too, where there's kind of like that decay about California, isn't there? Like, you think of yeah. all this this stuff that's happening with Harvey Weinstein and all of that, those idiots, those are fuckwits, and then you've got, yeah. <laughs> and then you've got this beautiful sky and the palm trees as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, I mean, going to LA, like, I mean, I went there when I was a bit younger, and it's sort of like, it's so weird, like, it's, you know, it's all this wealth and all this, like, really beautiful stuff and then you just sort of like walk you know 150 meters and there's just all these homeless people and you know it's really quite dirty and filthy and it's it's just such a strange place but um yeah like in a lot of ways you know we're all obsessed with la and california and bands and the music and sort of stuff that comes from there obviously as many people are it's like there's no the thing about Los Angeles. It's really weird. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's been there a long time, two hundred plus years. I assume. I assume it's about the same age as Sydney or thereabouts, maybe a bit younger. But it's yeah. it's kind of got no history visible. So you go there, and the oldest shit is like from the thirties or the forties, maybe maybe from the twenties. But it's not like walking around Sydney where you can go to the rocks, which legit, legitimately is two hundred years old, and looks at yeah. 
you know, and it's so so obsessed with the new and the shiny and stuff. And um, you're exactly right about you know it's very confronting when you go uh, to uh, South Central LA, and yeah. uh, as an Australian, because we just don't have a neighbourhood like that anywhere in Australia. No, exactly. Yeah, it's, it is. It is very confronting. Um, Liam actually went over there recently, and he um he, he met this girl travelling. Me and him were in Europe last year together, and we he met this Brazilian girl travelling, hmm. and they actually met up and um, stayed in in LA for a few days, like you know, probably about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And she booked this Airbnb, and he was like just on the outskirts of Compton, and he was just like, yeah. "Fuck, man! Like this is like pretty red hot, like." <laughs> Like, I, I definitely, I wouldn't feel safe sort of walking around there. Like, he's just like, yeah, we just sort of like got Ubers everywhere and got the hell out of there. But it's pretty, yeah, it is yeah. definitely a confronting place. Yeah, and look, it's, yeah, it's just, it's so much of our culture and, and also the influence on our politics is coming out of Californian universities as well. And, and yeah. it's got such a, California itself, forget forget about the United States for a moment, but just California it's had so much of an impact on popular culture globally. I mean, popular culture globally yeah. basically is Californian culture. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So in, weird. In, many ways, in many ways, unfortunately, it is. You know, Great, yeah. Like a lot of, yeah, I mean, like it's just, yeah, it's just so influential. Like I can't, yeah, I, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but, you know. I know I go to Bond Uni these days and um, I'm on the Gold Coast here and um, I speak to some of the American students and they're not from uh, the West Coast. They don't turn their nose down at it or anything like that, but you sort of definitely get the the, the feeling that there's probably, um, you know, they, they may have an opinion that uh, California and Los Angeles probably isn't as nice as where they're from. It's a bit more trashier and it's not quite as... Um, yeah. Not, not quite as imbued with a, like... Uh, the kind of culture that they know, if you know what I'm saying, it's a yep. very different part of America. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's fascinating as we've, you know, we've been talking about it for like five minutes. It's, it is fascinating. <laughs> Let's. Uh, so the production on this album here, though, again, um, I, I'm a fan of the production. I must say, and I know you've probably had to do things on a shoestring budget. So congratulations on uh, oh. making it sound as polished. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, yeah, we we worked with um, we worked with Ian Fernie, um, plays bass for Birds of Tokyo, and oh, he, yeah. we we yeah. So mm. he he did a great job. He's still pretty fresh with doing sort of production and um, recording and mixing and all that sort of stuff. He's still like just um, he hasn't been doing it for very long, but um, yeah, I think he really got a good sound. Like we were really we really worked hard on the drum sound, particularly. That's, I think we spent probably at least a day sort of just getting the dr- not only the drums sound right, but also the, like, I guess just sort of how, how I was playing it. Like we really wanted that sort of machine, like um, sort of crispness, especially like the hi-hats and the snare. And I actually did something I'd never done before when we recorded the drums. I sort of did each track individually. Like I'd, it was something that um, we just thought we'd try and see if we could really sort of compress the, the tightness, like you're almost just like, you know, it's like a machine, you know, you know, in some ways, hmm. which I think was really cool. And it was really fun to do, like just sit there for three minutes and just do the hi-hat track and then just do the snare track. Like, oh, yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I get that, that, that block way of recording. Yeah. And, and how did you, what microphone were you using? Were you using the, the old trusty Shure SM57, you know, the, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. I can't remember what we used, but we we, we were doing like he. He had a room mic, I think, sort of on the other side of the room, and I can't remember what that mic was, but um, yeah, he he did that on the other side of the room, which I thought got a really cool sound. And then obviously had one on the one on the top and one on the bottom of the snare, and it was um, yeah, it was it was really fun actually to record that. It was, we recorded a really cool studio called Jungle Studio in Sydney, mm. which was good fun. I think I've heard of that. That's up. Is that upstairs somewhere? Someone was telling me it's upstairs somewhere. Um, I, I don't think it is. I think it's sort of like, I, I think it's like a lot of the bands actually, like Sydney bands, like Birds uh, rehearsed there and a couple of other bands, like Polish Club, I think, rehearsed there. There's like, it's a, it's a really interesting, like it's a really strange complex. Like it's sort of like a maze in a way. Like oh, yeah. there's, all these, there's all these different rooms and there's just equipment sort of everywhere. And um, it's sort of like, grimy and like it's a bit dirty and then there's these really nice leather couches all over the place it's, it's, it's a very <laughs> weird place sounds like Troy Horse Troy Horse I used to be in Velveteen when I was in Sydney and uh, we yeah, to, right. yeah we used to rehearse at Troy Horse and it sounds a lot like that with all these little alleyways and avenues going off in different places yeah 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 it was cool it was yeah. cool I'd never been there before actually I'd never been is that still um, there is Troy Horse still there I'm not sure if it is. I I haven't heard anyone mention it for a while, but probably is. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was years ago, man. I, I was in Sydney 15 years ago, so it's um, oh, probably right. everything that I know, and even the venues that I played at probably are no longer. You know what I mean? So, oh, so yeah. much has changed in bloody don't Sydney. Don't even get me started on the venues and live music as a as a whole in in Sydney. It's a just oh, it's hard. It's a disgrace. It's the hardest I mean, city to play music in by far. Hardest city to be in a band oh, in. Hardest city to play music in. I reckon. Oh, absolutely. In in the world, even. I mean, that might be going a bit far, but like. <laughs> but, but I know your point. I know what you're saying, though. Having played there yeah, myself I mean, and been in the band yeah, down there, I get it. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's just like I don't know. Nobody goes out. Nobody wants to see sands and. We actually had to play. We play, we booked this gig um, at Brighton Up Bar. I don't know if you know what that. Nah, know I've never heard up. of it. Yeah. But in, it's in it's in um, it's on Oxford Street in Sydney. Okay. And yep. and like we we booked this gig there, and they I, they were asking us to pay three hundred dollars to hire the venue out for the night, and then they would waive that fee if the bar made two thousand dollars or something like that. And we just went like this is a fucking disgrace. Like, not only are we not getting paid, but we have to pay you. Like, it's it, mm. it, it, yeah. a nightmare. Oh, yeah. It's, I don't know what it is about Sydney. Sorry, I'm not, not ratting on the place. It's just, it's an odd... People don't understand from outside of Australia. They just think it's the big glitzy. It's not the capital of Australia, but they think it is because people never heard of Canberra before. But, yeah, it, yeah. it's where all the tourists go and... And generally, first arrivals in Australia, people who are moving here, they, they move to Sydney or Melbourne, one of the two, but mainly Sydney, I think. And it's such a weird place, man. It's five and a half million people in it. It's so hard to get around in. And it's segmented into like, you know, from the from the North Shore, you never visit the Western suburbs and all this sort of shit. It's such a funny place. It's, not, it, it's the only city, maybe Melbourne's becoming more like that. But I think it's because of all of these different social factors that people, you know, you got the lockout laws as well because of what that dickhead did years ago when he punched that uh, poor Thomas Kelly in the back of the head. Yeah. You got all of the, and these, these yeah. reactions around that, and you think, well, notwithstanding the family's grief, and that family has suffered terribly, it must say, because their other son committed suicide, you know. Um, yeah. But it's yeah. it's the whole Sydney, the whole of Sydney. You can't get a bottle of wine, take, you know, from a bottle shop after, after 10 p.m., is that right? On 
on weekends? Yeah, something ridiculous like that. You can't you can't buy a beer. Yeah, you can't buy like alcohol past like eleven o'clock or some ten o'clock in some places. It's just like oh, it's just a joke. And you can't obviously go to if you're somewhere at a bar at one thirty five and you want to go to another one, you can't. Like it's just yeah. a joke. Yeah, you guys should think about. Yeah, I mean, I know you got obviously other commitments outside of the band, but have you thought about relocating somewhere else, like up here or down in Melbourne? Yeah, I, I've always wanted to move to Melbourne and play music there. Like, definitely. Like, it's easier. I, 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 I probably still will, whether it's with these guys or not. I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm sure. Like, um, we'll we'll keep going for you know however much longer and. Like, we all love doing what we're doing. But I, I think not even just from a musical perspective, like, I want to move somewhere else. Like, I've thought about going to London as well. And, um, yeah, I'd definitely love to move and relocate. I'd love it if the band could come. But, I mean, you know, that's yeah. obviously easier and done. It's easier up here, man. Let me tell you, there's heaps of venues up here. I mean, there's, I'm not saying there's so many that they, you know, they need any in every band. But, mate, if you're in, in an originals band, it's probably one of the easiest cities to get a gig. I think as long yeah, as you right. shit together, and you guys do, yeah, you guys could. I've um, hooked up some bands from Perth and stuff that are on Firestarter, or Destroyed by oh, Firestarter, cool. with um, some agents up here and stuff. Because I'm a musician too, right? So I play regularly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's more receptive to live music here. And in saying that, we do have venues that close down, but you can any night of the week you go out in Brisbane or the Gold Coast or even the Sunshine Coast, you can generally see live music. That's yeah. That's the way it should be. I mean, hmm. that's that's I, that's what I loved about going traveling, like finding just live music every night of the week and you know whenever. And oh, you can't do that here. Like it's so so rare to to find like good original bands. Not not rare, but I mean it can be difficult. That's for sure. Hmm. Hmm. But it's yeah. What else do you do, mate? What do you do for to earn a living, so to speak? Um, I am working for Australia Post actually at the moment. Uh, so well, you could just, transfer with that role, yeah. Yeah, so so just sort of like doing like delivery driving, like a, I drive like a van and do the, you mm. know, and, you know, get the signature for the parcel and stuff like that. It's really good. I really enjoy it actually. Oh mate, look, it's look as someone who's been a career telecommunications. Uh, I was an account executive for most of my time at Telstra, and I left right. uh, last year. Sorry, 2017 I left actually and um, I was burnt out, man, in corporate life and, you know, that's not even that corporate to be honest with you but it's fairly corporate, you know, um, but it, it almost killed me, man. I was in and out of hospital with something called colitis, uh, which is like Crohn's disease. Jeez. You know, so I, um, yeah, it's just not worth it, man. The stress isn't worth it. No, no way. And I mean, I do, you know, I do like solo um, acoustic gigs and stuff like that um, as well. Oh, and good on like, you. That's always yeah, so like I try and I, I try and just play as much music as possible. Like it would be great to earn a living that way at, at some point. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, playing in a band's not cheap. That's for sure. There's a lot of money going towards all sorts of different stuff. So. Oh, it sucks, doesn't it? Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at my wall of equipment behind me, my wall of SKB cases behind me that separate me from my daughter's drum kit, and mate, yeah. this, this probably. Got thirty thousand dollars worth of re- retail, a kid oh, here, you know, like yeah. that I bought. Like it'd be worth nothing now in terms of if I tried to sell it, you get a tenth of the value. You know how it is. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, it's, so it's expensive. Yeah, it's it's you spend as much on all of your musical equipment that you've probably got in your possession as you would, would almost on uh, to about half of what a mortgage deposit on a mortgage might be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh. 
Oh, it's insane, yeah. It's, oh, it's just such a it's such a grueling um, profession and hobby, and oh, it's just yeah. What's that hundredth time quote where he's like, um, he says the music industry is like you know walking through the desert and you have no water and everyone hates you and you step you, you fall into cactuses and you know it's it's just the, like the worst thing ever and there's also a bad side as well. Like, <laughs> Yes, I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, and then there's the bad side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's a good part of it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and that he probably said that in the seventies, I suppose. You know, at least, yeah, like, exactly. you know. And it's only in a lot of ways gotten worse. Yeah, I, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's a funny thing because it's a passion project for ninety nine point cent, ninety nine point nine percent of musicians, isn't it? Playing music, and you, yeah. The thing is, the difference is between you and most is you've actually got a, a really good collection of songs here that on with the oh, phases yeah, and to show to people and say, look, this is what I do, man. How about how about this? You know, and uh, a lot yeah. of people don't have it. They don't have that, and they're sort of wondering, well, we're going to get a break. Well, fuck, it's not that hard. Just get together with some people and start writing some songs. And here's the tip: if you play drums, learn how to play guitar, and if you play bass, learn how to play drums and guitar. You know, these are yeah, all the things that yeah, people have got to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, that's the main. That's the thing is like you just got to work your ass off and 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 love what you're doing. And if, if if you know if you do love it, and there's no real reason why you can't sort of get out there and just do you know what we're doing and write you know write music and just sort of have a good time with it and you know just like do what you want to do with it. Like it's hmm. it's, it's, it's I feel like it's a, it's a need for a lot of people and that's definitely I think what we we all need to do it in a lot of ways you know yeah I'm the same man I've said that to my, my wife plenty of times man I've actually it's probably outside of you know making sure I can be the best dad I can be for my kids man it's um playing, yeah. playing music is potentially the only other thing that I have have a, a you know psychological need to do I can I, the next day yeah. after a gig even though I'm playing in covers and we're playing very long gigs where we're out sort of eight to twelve hours yeah. you know the next day when I wake up, Jesus, I feel fulfilled. I feel that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, definitely. Oh, there's nothing better. I, there's absolutely nothing better. Like, it's 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 such a good, like, it's, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's therapeutic in so many ways, you know? It's just like, oh, like, you, as you said, like, it's just, you feel like you've accomplished something and it's, mm. yeah, it's great. Mm. Definitely. Mate, mate, we'll wrap things up. So tell me, um, people listening to the podcast series, mate, they want to get in touch with you guys, and and how do they do that? Where can they, especially if they want to purchase physical copy of the album or the EP? Sorry. Um, yeah, so we're obviously on Spotify, um, iTunes, um, Bandcamp. You can purchase it on Bandcamp. Um, we have CDs at all our shows, and um, we're hope we were hoping to get some vinyls done, but I'm not sure how that's going. I think it was. It's pretty, hard. Yeah, it's hard expensive. these days, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, like definitely. There's we can you can buy stuff online on our um, link tree if you go to our Facebook or Instagram. There's um, we got shirts there and um, physical copies of CDs and stuff. And yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, you definitely got your shit together. I love seeing that in an indie band. To your point, you got merch there. You're very easy to find. You're not a hard band to find. You got Bandcamp. Thank God you got Bandcamp. The kids love that. Um, yeah, Bandcamp. Crucial. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's all there. You'd be surprised, mate, how many bands don't bother with it, though. I'd, I'd, which I do not understand. They, they obviously don't know. They obviously don't. Un, nobody's explained it to them yet. But uh, yeah, yeah, the bandcamp thing. I guess not. 
Yeah. I guess not. I think, yeah, it's, it's essential. Just whatever you can put it on, fucking put it on there. Mm. Uh-huh. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and the interview subject you just heard from was Jesse Curnow from the outfit The Phasers. Thank you so much for listening.